This podcast is sponsored by the Music Player Network at musicplayer.com, the premier musician resource for keyboard players and beyond. Since the year 2000, the Music Player Network has been the go-to source for news and views on music technology, playing tips, and gigging help. The Keyboard Corner is one of the longest-running keyboard forums in Internet history, with guitar, bass, drum, and numerous recording and music tech forums also on offer. Frequented by weekend warriors, manufacturers' representatives, and professionals alike, MPN provides an invaluable resource for any musician, and it's 100% free to sign up and use. Go to www.musicplayer.com to see for yourself. Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Keyboard Chronicles, a podcast for keyboard players of the gigging variety. I'm your host David Holloway and it's great as always to be here with you. And again with me is my esteemed co-host Mr Paul Bindig. How's things Paul? Really good, thank you Dave. um, I think I say this every bloody episode but it's an exciting day for us because of who we're interviewing. So Today, we're interviewing Mr. Lauren Gold. Now, Lauren has played with an astounding array of artists over close to 20 years. Um, As a player, songwriter and musical director, he's worked with everyone from Selena Gomez through to the Eagles' Don Felder and Kenny Loggins. Um, Add to that some great TV work and working as a consultant to develop bands for other artists, and you have a pretty damn busy guy. And then, of course, there's a small gig he's had since 2012 as a keyboard player for some outfit, Paul, um, called The Who. You heard of them? The Who? Yeah, exactly. Ah, I'm, sure, right. I'm sure Lauren, will, when he listens, will love, love that joke. Um, does he ever sleep? All this is revealed and more, and so we hope you enjoy the interview. Hi, Lauren. Thanks so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Great to be here. How are you guys? Good, thank you. Fantastic, thank you. Um, so, how, most importantly, how are things going for you at the moment? Um, how, how are you keeping busy in these very, very interesting times? You know, I'm spending a lot of time in my studio, um, but I also am getting out. <laughs> I'm, I'm exercising <laughs> and, and trying to do all the right things, uh, eating well and, and uh yeah, it's really easy to just to kind of let yourself go, um, but I've I've been on top of that, and I've been playing a lot of music. I've been actually recording with a lot of friends, just doing some fun stuff that I've, um, you know, never never would have done in the past. Some covers and um, also some sessions, of course. Um, so I'm I'm staying active and uh, taking care of a lot of projects that I've been ignoring for fifteen years. <laughs> <laughs> Could we start maybe by discussing a bit of your history? So, you know, as, as a young person, how did you first get attracted to music and then your journey in terms of playing keyboards, piano? What did that look like for you as a young person? Yeah, so I had older siblings and um, everybody was pretty musical. Everyone played an instrument, you know, my sister played flute my brother played clarinet my other brother played piano and guitar so Mm -hmm. there was music around 
Um, so, you know, I, I kind of gravitated towards it uh, pretty easily. And, but, but, but really what got me going um, was hearing the Beatles. You know, I, I missed that whole wave, of course. Um, but, you know, my siblings had those albums lying around. And yeah. there was something about, you know, how, how, how they affect so many people. I just I heard them and I was like, oh my god! I just it was, it was like nothing else. That was, it was mm-hmm. the only thing I I enjoyed doing. Um, well, I enjoyed playing baseball, but um, <laughs> it was you know, baseball and the Beatles. And uh, we had a piano, and my mom put me in p- piano lessons and music lessons. She when I was six, mm-hmm. um, group lessons, and there was, was Yamaha group lessons, and everybody had a little keyboard. You know, it was probably about. 15 so of us in, in the room and with the teacher at the front of the room. And, uh, you know, I don't remember much about it, but I still have a visual of being there. And, and that's yeah. kind of took to it, you know, playing piano and, and uh, listening to, to records, you know, so that, which, which I still do. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And that's important. And, yeah. I, and I need to ask, I, I read somewhere, Lauren, that a, it was the Beatles rubber soul that, had a particular impact on you and, and um, guests before last on the podcast also cited Rubber Soul. So Rubber Soul has a, a lot of good stuff to answer for. Um, and you also said that you wanted to uh, at one stage be an ophthalmologist back when you were younger. Do you ever regret not being an ophthalmologist? I can't imagine you do. Wow. How did you, how did you pull that one out of that? <laughs> it um, was an interview you did on YouTube. I found it. Oh my God. I, I, that's so funny. I can't believe I actually mentioned that. That was something I, I wanted to do when I was very young. And I think I had my best friend, he was the only one I'd ever told that to. So I, I, must, I must have said that in interview. That's funny. I've never had, you know, you must be the second person that's asked me. Uh, no, no regrets at all. Um, and uh, I have no desire to be an ophthalmologist. <laughs> That's, I, I, I'd assume so, but I thought, you know, important question to ask. Um, now, yeah, be, right. be, before we what get... What was I thinking? That's right. <laughs> before we get on to your, obviously, current major gig, uh, I know one of your roles has been as musical director for Selena Gomez, um, which I believe you're still in that role. So we did interview Bonnie McIntosh a few episodes back, so we, we've already talked a bit of, of Selena, but... Can you tell us a bit about that role, um, what you enjoy so much about it, and just your approach in that role? Yeah, so I um, was introduced to her. I was um, music director and performing with Hillary Duff, and then uh, the people at Hollywood Records, who was you know the record label, um, they were happy with what I did and asked me if I would do the same thing for Selena. Um, actually, I think Demi Lovato was. First, and after Demi, Selena. I, I always mix up the order sometimes. Um, but so I was, you know, she was, Selena was new. She had a, you know, very successful TV show, of course, and uh, they needed a band for her. Um, so I set up a bunch of auditions, you know, went through every instrument and um, worked with Selena. Um, and we just, you know, I found the right players that I thought would be a good fit, and it, it turned out really well. Um, the the musicians were great, and they got on really well together. And the the great thing about, you know, that whole situation, that band is, Selena really wanted it to be a band, which was kind of mm-hmm. cool. It's if you recall, it was Selena and the scene, 
and just so all the musicians, you know, were really thrown into the spotlight even more so. It's like here, you know, we're a band. I, I thought that was was cool. Yeah. Um, but I I I love that process. I love putting it together, and and uh, I love finding the right players to. Uh, you know, that I don't fit that artist, you know, you can, you come across some amazing musicians, but you got to find the right ones that fit that, that singer, that person. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. In talking about how well the band got on together, Lauren, is there anything specific that you would say works just generally when, when it comes to putting a band together or working with other musicians? What are the key ingredients that, that allow that band to get along so well and, and create that, that we're a real band energy? Well, you've you've got to know that it's not about you and you're there to support the artist and, and you have to leave your ego at the door and you have to and you also have to play play the right role. It's not about showing everybody how good you are and how fast mm-hmm. you can play. Um, you need to play, you know, in, in a in a situation like that, you know, you have songs and you're 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 playing those parts. And you want to you you want to do the best you can to 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 do that and to yeah. reproduce the yeah, and then you know if there's a moment to uh, step up and shine and and play a little more you go for it but it's it's really about um, being a professional and mm. uh, treating people well. With yeah, respect, fantastic. You know? mm, fantastic. Oh, I'm curious, was it that solid? background doing your md work with with these sort of artists that set you up for your tv work and i'm also curious as to what new skills you might have had to develop to do tv work um well with regards to the tv work those were sim- simply songs um that i had written co-written um so i wasn't really doing film scores you know sure. as you would say but more like uh, pop songs, instrumental stuff that that were for a particular project. Mm-hmm. So that was, you know, those are just skills that developed as anyone develops over the years if you're a songwriter. Sure, sure. Uh, also, uh, this may be a bit of a blast from the past as well, Lauren, but your solo album. So obviously I had to listen um, to both those and they show a whole different side of, of what, you, you know, you may be better known for. So how do you look back on those albums now? And do, more importantly, do you have another one in the works? Yeah, those were fun. You know, I was trying different things, different styles. And, and uh, you know, I just got in the studio and um, some great gear. So I had fun uh, doing that at the time. Um, I People are asking me every day, when is when are you putting out something else? And um, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling the push, so I'm gonna, I'm slowly starting to work on, work on something. And I do have a lot of songs lying around that people haven't heard. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put something together here at some point. Excellent. So talking uh, about your, your mind, you get the present and thinking about the, the forced lockdown uh, we all have on touring at the moment. I'm wondering, have you had a chance to reflect back on, you know, your eight years with The Who and more than 10 years with Roger Daltrey and take stock of what, what the experience has been like for you and, and that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, it, it's been a dream, really. You know, when I when I first met him and auditioned for Roger, uh, it wasn't one of those things that, uh, you know, you didn't think it was going to happen and certainly didn't know it was going to lead to The Who. Um and that's just the that's just this crazy business, you know. 
Um, but every step is a, is a, you know, you're doing things right in the right direction and you just never know where, where it's going to lead. Um, but it's, you know, it's not over. We still plan to get back out there. As, yeah, absolutely. As a lot of yeah. people want to do that. And, um, you know, I spoke to Roger today, in fact, and, you know, we're just ready to go. So it's, it's, it's been an incredible run. And, uh, you know, I, I think of those, some of those moments on stage and in front of these big arenas and stadiums. And it's just, oh, I, I think about it a lot. And it's, uh, it's, it's been great to say the least. Yeah. And, um, sorry, Paul. Yeah. I was going to say we, and there's some of the standouts when you say some of those great memories that, that really do, you know, keep you thinking about them uh, after the fact. Yeah. On this, this last tour, um, I was, you know, my, I have a big moment every night doing the introduction for love rain over me. Mm. Um, so, and, and, you know, I always come up with something different for, for each show because uh, I like to torture myself. <laughs> um, but it, it's, uh, it's that, it's those moments that you think about, you know, like we performed, I'm a big baseball fan and we did a show at Fenway Park in Boston, you know, yeah. this historic place. And, um, you know, every time I'm in Boston, I walk by the stadium just to look at it. Um, so I think about playing there and, and uh, Albert Hall and, you know, some of these other great venues, um, Philadelphia, the big stadium there, baseball stadiums. And, and I, I think about those moments where I'm, where I'm playing and, and then looking out in the crowd and, and uh, I just take it all in. And, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's been great. And this present tour, I'm going to say that we're currently on, uh, a very long break. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty magical. So it's, it's a great show and I'm, I've been really enjoying it. Yeah. And I'm going, I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that later too, because you've obviously got an orchestra and, and everything else, which is amazing. So, but I mean, a lot of people will like likely to see your role as a great one to have which i'm sure it is but what are the aspects that really do get you jumping out of bed each morning and and what aspects do tend to be more of a grind for you well i mean the the who catalog i mean that <laughs> that gets me out of bed <laughs> you know i look at that set list every day at sound check and go all right this will do just fine <laughs> you know it's uh, very enjoyable and, um, you know, you look at the set list and sometimes you're like, hey, I can't believe it. You know, um, you know the, there, there's, I have to be perfectly honest, there's not that much of a grind. I mean, I enjoy um, touring, I enjoy playing, you know, living out of a suitcase, I guess, is not the greatest thing in the world. But it's such a small price to pay um, for, for what you get to do, you know, yeah. performing at this this level uh, in front of these crowds so it's it's a good thing and, and you mentioned the set list lauren um obviously um the the album that the guys released um last year is absolutely amazing i listened to it again end to end last night so the, i assume that that's fairly prominent in the set list and that you're getting a lot of enjoyment even out of those newer songs because um there's some strong stuff in there yeah it's great uh pete is amazing continues to um blow us all away and uh you can see how how thrilled he is playing new material um he he loves that um 
and we all love it. So it's and there it's such a great album. It, it's just I couldn't believe it when I when I sat down and listened to the whole thing. Um, so yeah, you know, it, it's we we've got a few songs. We had actually worked up a couple more from the new album for this this last leg. We were going to head to the UK. So you know, there'll be a few songs in there, but yeah, it's 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 great. It's great music. Yep. And for those of our listeners that haven't um, either listened to that or read a lot about this album, I mean, I mean, Roger and Peter have both been quoted, uh, you know, on the process. But Roger, in particular, when he first received this uh, set of songs from Pete, didn't actually know what to do with them as far as that he believed that he couldn't add any more quality than to what was already there. Um, but obviously, they worked on it over a, a period of months, and um, yeah, it is a pretty incredible album. Yeah, well, Roger put his his stamp on it. I mean, um, when he first heard it, I think he thought it he thought it would just sound like a, a Pete solo album, um, not a Who. But you know, Roger made it the Who album. You know, that's that's the beauty of Roger and how they work together. It's yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, they're they're magical. Going from the the newer stuff uh, right back to some of the the older Who classics, and and bearing in mind, Lauren, this is a podcast for keyboard players. The Who have some really iconic keyboard-driven songs, and I'd be very interested to learn from maybe from a technical standpoint how you approach intros to songs like Barbara O'Reilly and won't get fooled again playing them live in front of an audience. Well, it's really easy. I listen to the start of the tape. <laughs> 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 If you if you look if you look back to the history of the Who and you listen to you watch Keith Moon and every every band that's ever every tour that they've ever done, they've always played to Pete's original demos. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I say demos, but it's that that he created. It is, you know, that that is when you hear that intro, when you hear the, those parts, you know you know that's what he did. That's that's part of the show. Yes. Um, yep. So there's a reason to take away from that. Um, but in terms of other intros, when we did Quadrophenia, I programmed the hell out of it. Yep. <laughs> so I had a lot of work to do. Um, you know, a lot of lot of synth programming to do um, on the rock uh, yep. Quadrophenia, and so there was. You know, I had my hands full in terms of intros and, and things like that. Um, but, it, you know, in terms of those, those two questions I get asked all the time, Baba won't get fooled again. I mean, those, those are what Pete created, you know, yeah, and yeah. that's, you know, no, we're not going to touch that. There's no reason. Yeah. 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 And, and look, you know, I, I wouldn't have been allowed to keep co-hosting this podcast from all our listeners if I didn't ask you. So I'm, <laughs> I'm glad we've been able to do yeah. that. So. <laughs> I, don't, yeah, I, don't, I don't, I don't think I'm saying anything that people don't already know anyways. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, as you said, if you watch any of the old uh, the, the clips of the Who, you can quite clearly see they're they're playing to the track. And as you say, it's always been part of the show. So, um, yeah, yeah. I play along to it, you know, have some yep. fun and kind of along in the B three and stuff like that. But you know, it's for the yeah. most part, you just kind of stay out of the. That's right. That yeah. and, and just, I mean, it shows you how iconic they are. I know um, I play a Kronos and it's one of the pre well not presets, but one of the ones you can can buy is actually the Barbara O'Reilly. Um, sequence. So, for those of us that don't have it's, the tapes, it's, uh, <laughs> it's pretty good, isn't it? It, it is. It's pretty damn good. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah I played the Kronos well, and I I talked to the guy who programmed it, and and uh, I, I I told them that I I, uh, I actually play the part with the sound every now and then at sound check just to mess with people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See the sound get the sound guy frantically looking. Wait a second, what's going on? I'm like, because <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll 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 play the part just like the intro with that sound, and everyone's just rolling, you know, just like, <laughs> are we doing that song now? <laughs> I, I can just see this the sound engineer behind the desk madly looking at it, going going out of his mind, trying to get how like it happened. Invaders, yeah. He sees it coming up in the keyboard sounds like, what the hell? <laughs> That's awesome. I, I patched it all wrong. Hey, I, I wanted to ask you as well about thoughts on uh, John Entwistle's contribution to The Who, and I don't know if that seems like a strange question to ask a keys player, but we're, we're always thinking, I think, as keys players about, you know, the, the, the frequencies and, and the patterns the bass player is using and, you know, making sure we, we're not tripping over each other. And given how present and how important John Entwistle's contribution was, is there anything that you sort of specifically try and be aware of as a, as a keys player when you, you're dealing with some of those songs? Kind of stay out of the way, you mm-hmm. know, a lot, you know, which is kind of a typical rule of thumb anyways. Yeah, working yeah. with players. But, um, you know, those his parts were, I mean, so monstrous, you know, mm. as we all know. And, and uh, you know, I've talked to Bobby Pridden about this stuff and, and he was just such, such a monster and, and um you know, that was such a big part, him and Mooney. I mean, that sound, I mean, God. Yep. Live at least, listen to that old stuff. Um, so, you know, the keyboards are just another texture and a, you know, way to, to color it all up. But I'm I'm certainly not going to get in the way of, uh, you know, if I were to play with John, John Entwistle, I certainly would not be getting in the way. <laughs> I don't think there's any way I could. Really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure. Um, and, and sticking on the subject of bass players, um, in 2014, uh, the, the Who Hits 50 show at Shepherd's Bush Empire was, I mean, that was a huge show and it, it featured an amazing array of really well-known guest musicians uh, all paying tribute. But but I, I really wanted to ask in the, about the experience of working with, with Rush's Getty Lee, who, who came up for a song, and, and I don't know how much interaction you had, but, but I'm just curious, Lauren, had you played with him before and wondering, you know, what were any takeaways from working with him? That was a – I'm glad you mentioned it, actually. That was a magical night. Um, we really hit it off before the show, and we struck up a conversation, and we chatted for quite a bit. Um, I was my, – my first uh, – high school band you know my everyone in the band just worshipped rush and uh all all my friends you know were freaking out you know just i'm like my friends would really hate me for hanging out with you right now (laughs) we we got a good um so we we spent some time together and then we were the house band for all these different artists that you mentioned um Mm -hmm. and then at the end so getty came out and did i believe he did the seeker I think that's what it what it was. Yep. So he we did that one, which is one of my favorite Who songs. Um, so at the end of the night, everybody kind of came out. At the end, um, I can't remember what song we did. Um, maybe won't get fooled again. Probably. Yep. Um, all the artists came out, and then everyone you know went went on to the front of the stage, and he came over to me, 
and uh, we sang together on a single mic. We were, we were Lennon and McCartney. We were singing together, and uh, nice. we hit off. And it was it was a great moment. He's he's just such a lovely man. Um, so it it was it's a great memory. Yeah. Yeah, there, there'll be plenty of Rush fans happy to hear that that uh, he, he's. I mean, his reputation as being a really nice guy. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. He's. I don't. I'm sure everybody has seen that documentary, the Rush documentary. Yes. Even if you don't like Rush, it, it's a good documentary. Uh, and he is as sweet as they come. So. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. He's a, he's a massive. Too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and just a little bit of general gear talk, Lauren. So I know you're a, a core yeah. artist and so on, but what what are your essential pieces of keyboard gear? That I mean, with the Who, but just generally too. What what what's your go to gear? Well, definitely the Kronos is kind of the center point. Um, you know, I have it here in my studio, and I have it. I have two of them uh, with the Who, and uh, as you know. Um, there's just a little bit of everything in that key, mm. in that keyboard. Um, kind of, you know, pull up any sound um, if you if you need to, you know, on the spot, and then you can get in there and tweak it really well. Um, but the, you know, with that said, the, I've been really enjoying having my my C2 out on the road. That is just to, to have a real Hammond, um, the mm. luxury of, of playing that live every night. Um, I can't say enough I'm, I'm looking at it right now and um with the leslie and it's and it's great and uh you know i've got a, i've got a wah pedal going through it i've got i've got a delay and it's just you know it's it's so inspiring there's nothing like it, it it's it's you play differently when you have a, a real hammond at your disposal that's right um, everything sounds great it's you know i you can't always i know it's a treat and and uh, you can't always have it up there um i certainly recommend hauling it around um at any local club <laughs> but uh if, if you can uh, have the luxury of having someone do it for you i i it's a big yes yeah. do it <laughs> and and we we have a lot of guests that obviously quite rightly rave about the B two or the C two and and it is that feel of the keyboard itself and its responsiveness and is that what does it for you? Yeah, it's exactly it, it it it's exactly what you just said. Um, it, it's it's weird. There's there's some incredible clones out there and and, uh, and and you know I'll I'll use them at times um, that sound sound great, but um, something about the feel. And the sound is just that much better. Mm. Um, you know, I, I wish I could put my finger on it, but when you when you hear a real Hammond, you can, you know, there, there's nothing like it. Yeah. There's just nothing like it. And so just you, the whole response. And you've so you've got the C2 and the t- the two Kronoses. That's essentially your who rig. Are you doing any sort of software integration, sort of main stage or gig performer or anything like that, or you don't really need to? No, no. That. I, I do have a Kurzweil, um, this PC3K, I believe, is the model. Uh, um, and I, I've got a lot of my Quadrophenia stuff in there. I've, I've, uh, I've had that keyboard for a while, um, so I've kind of built my world in there. Um, so that, you know, that, that, that works really well. 
So those are those are my four hard keyboards, you know, physical keyboards that I use. Um, so I'm not doing any any uh, virtual sense or main stage or anything like no. that. But no. just it, you know, for the Who, this is this covers me and then some. So I'm I'm in good shape. Yeah. Nice. And I, you know, one can act as a backup in case, you know, one, I think one time one of them went down there was some kind of power surge or something and i had to jump over to the other keyboard uh for a backup piano so you know it's it's fine you know at the end of the day with the who it's rock and roll you can always just play on a piano That's <laughs> pull the piano you know and and you'll be you'll be all right <laughs> yeah absolutely it, 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 it's a lot of meat and potatoes it's, there's lots of synth stuff um but you can always bring out the meat and potatoes yeah, uh, at the, you know, in, in a crisis. <laughs> exactly, and and you're right. It's about yeah. the play. It's about the playing when you get to that stage, and that's probably another question I had. Is as a player, what are the biggest lessons you've learnt over your career as far as gigging and how to to be a good player? Yeah, well, every I think each year, every time I play another gig, I learn something else. Um, I've definitely learned how to listen a lot um over over the years listen to what the other musicians are doing um i love playing off of people um and of course you know if you have your moment it's it's your moment like my love rain introduction that's i can do what i want um but i've definitely learned i've learned so much from pete um and just you know how he plays and how he's always listening and you know each each gig, you, you you pick something up, you know. You, you, there's always more to learn. Absolutely, you know, just experience, like it, like any anything we all do. You know, you just learn each year that goes on. Okay, you're a little calmer, a little wiser, and you just pick up a little bit more each time. And you just mentioned Pete then, as far as um, learning from him. I mean, is he probably the band leader as far as working with you musicians and and what's required, and particularly working with the orchestra, which I was going to get onto, which is a whole different um, thing again. Is he sort of driving a lot of that? How that's working for you live? Well, he's driving it just in the term in the sense that they're his songs, so mm. everybody kind of looks to him for approval. Um, but we, you know, in terms of the day to day, you know, that's not really his role. No. He doesn't, he's not looking to do that right now. Like we, you know, we have a conductor who yeah. deals with the orchestra. That's the real big thing right now. So yeah. the conductor gets to midday and, you know, he rehearses the, the pickup orchestra for several hours um, and gets everybody ready. And um, we all kind of do our parts. And, you know, if there's musical questions, that come up, you know, I'll ask him and, you know, and we'll just, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll speak to him directly about it. Yeah. And just, you mentioned, um, you mentioned pickup orchestras there. So I, I'd assume that with a, a tour of that scale, that you're essentially having pre-rehearsed orchestras that in the big centers are, are coming in and joining you. Yeah. Yeah. So what's, what's basically what is, what's going on is every city we use a local orchestra. Yeah. Uh, so our conductor, we have a great conductor who kind of, you know, who's on top of that. He plans ahead and then, you know, he gets there and runs the entire show um, with them without the band. Um, so we're lucky that way. Yeah. <laughs> so we come, we come in later in the day and we just do a few numbers 
towards the end that they haven't done yet. Or maybe they have, I think actually they have done them, but we did do a few numbers with them. Just, you know, our front of house can mix and Mm -hmm. they get a feel of what it's going to sound like with the band. And we're all kind of, everything's okay. Um, So it's, and you know, they're playing charts that are, have been written by David Campbell, um, which is amazing. I mean, he is the guy, he's the guy. And uh, so it's it's a great show. It's a great show, and and uh, it's been it's you know Roger just loves it. Yeah. So we're all anxious to continue to do some more of it. And, and silly question on the orchestra, Lauren. Do you find that the personality of each orchestra does shine out a little bit? Obviously, you know you've got charts and and the formulation of the orchestra is somewhat the same. But do you still find between orchestras you notice some differences? Oh yeah, I mean they you you see them smiling and having you know fun they they are so excited to be playing this music it's mm-hmm. not the kind of show that they do very often so they're sitting there playing bob o'reilly and and they just they you can kind of see on their face they're so excited uh we had there was one orchestra on this last run i think we did like three or four shows oh it was the hollywood bowl oh yeah we did three shows at the hollywood bowl and uh, they were like, oh, this is, you know, this is better than anything I've ever done. I get to do this three shows, three times. I'm like, this is great. I'm like, yeah, I know. So, yeah, you see them, you know, kind of having a little more fun and a little more relaxed. And uh, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, I get a kick out of it. You know, it's, it's different than uh, Beethoven's Ninth, I'm sure. Mm. <laughs> So, Lauren, years of performing live, gigging, do you have any interesting or entertaining train wreck stories for us where maybe things didn't go quite as planned on stage? Train wrecks. So, let's see. Well, I had a gig many, many years ago. <laughs> kind of funny, but it was, it was, was at a club um with my original band but it was a big night it was a head, we were headlining i think it's oh, so the whiskey or something mm-hmm. and uh somehow my the power went out um in my world <laughs> um so my keyboards were out the entire night so i just thought i'd smile and not make a thing out of it and just smile <laughs> and, and, and mime <laughs> and play play my parts even though i knew nothing was coming out uh but the funniest the funniest part was when someone, some girl came up afterwards and said, you were amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I guess I don't need to practice, right? Just, That's you know, right. just look good. Smile. <laughs> that is, yeah. that is yeah. brilliant. No, I love it. And um, I know you've already alluded to, Lauren, what's on the horizon probably in the coming year. It's It's a bit up in the air depending on when you can get back out on the road with the who, but aside from that, you, you got any other plans in, in the coming 12 months or so? Yeah, that's it. You, you know, a lot of music. So I'm going to be writing a lot, um, collaborating and, uh, working on my studio, learning new gear. Um, there, there's, there's plenty to do. Um, but I, I, um, you know, I hope to be doing something, uh, in front of an, a crowd sooner than later, just, you know, we're still trying to figure that one out. Yeah. Um, 
but I'll I'll put stuff on my website and stuff, you know, when things when things are happening. Yeah. And in Instagram and all that stuff. Um and then the most fun question we ask every guest at the end of the show, and that's the Desert Island Discs question. So five albums, Lauren, that you couldn't live without. Oh, he put me on the spot. <laughs> okay, let me think about it. Well, Rubber Soul is a must. Yeah, good. Um, good we, we talked about that. Mm. Um, oh, boy, this is tough. I'd probably have to do uh, an Elton John album. Probably, uh, probably Captain Fantastic. Yeah. I probably would take that. Um, and I have to go do a Billy Joel album, and that would probably be, oh boy, <laughs> probably Fifty Second Street. Yeah. My three. Yep. Uh. Stevie Wonder talking book nice. and uh, Beach Boy Pet Sounds. Oh. You know, there, there's, there's so many on my, um, I could easily swap out one of those with the second Beatles album, yes. <laughs> but uh, you know, that's, 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 that's a tough one. And we, we, but, we have uh, had, we have had a guest put in the whole Beatles mono box set to cheat. We have had that happen before. <laughs> oh, does that, yeah, if, if that counts as one, that'll be one. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, yeah. No, look, Lauren, thank you so much. It's been absolutely brilliant to talk to you, and we really appreciate it. And for our listeners, um, Lauren's been particularly uh, flexible because thanks to some technical issues at our end, um, this, this is our second attempt at the interview. So, yeah, thanks for taking the time. Uh, we really appreciate it and we definitely look forward to seeing you out on the road. And um, I, I actually don't know the answer to this. Were the Who planning on coming to Australia as part of the tour? I, I actually hadn't looked into that. It was not planned. No, um, okay. I know we, you know, there's been mention of it. Yeah. Um, and I know the Who was there. I believe the Who was there right. I mean, I started with Roger in 2009. I think the Who was there right around there. Right. 2010. Yeah. You, you would know better than me, but, yeah. um, and I would, lo I love Australia. I've, I haven't been there, uh, in a while. So I, 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 I love it there. No, well, we, we hope to see you out here at some stage. And again, yeah, thank you so much for taking the time. Yes. Thank you. Absolutely. Great to talk to you guys. And there we have it. Uh, another good one in the can, Paul. I mean, I, I expected Lauren was going to be a great guy to talk to and I wasn't disappointed. And um, as I said in the intro, I just don't know how these guys fit in so much quality stuff in so little time. Yeah, you have to be highly organised to, to get through the, the sheer volume of projects. And, and I'm just going to say I have quite a few friends who are extremely jealous that I've uh, been able to talk to Lauren. And you know, how exciting is being on this podcast, Dave? It's such fun. Yeah, it absolutely is. And yeah, I, I had the same from a few friends. So no, a huge thanks to Lauren for taking part. Um, and I do recommend A, checking out his solo albums, but also B, um, if you haven't listened to The Who stuff in a while, and you know, some people will say, well, is The Who the same when there's only two of the four of them? Their last album released last year is absolutely incredible. It got huge reviews at the time and rightly so. Um, so yeah, do check that out if you get a chance. 
Uh, and as far as checking things out, uh, we'll be back in a fortnight or so. But just a reminder, you can keep in touch with us via a few means. So our website is www.keyboardchronicles.com. Um, we're on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash keyboard chronicles and on Twitter at the C- the keyboard the seaboard see i must want one of those Raleigh seaboards i think i do want one of them actually we're on twitter at the keyboard chr1 uh, and on good old-fashioned email at editor at keyboardchronicles.com and if you'd like to become an official supporter we do have a patreon account where for the price of a coffee a month you can help us go from strength to strength and we do appreciate that Uh, and that's at patreon.com forward slash keyboard chronicles and paul a huge thanks to you as always for joining uh, well, thanks again for having me on the podcast, Dave. It's a pleasure. Um, and most importantly, too, thanks to all of you out there for listening. Uh, we do appreciate it a lot, and we hope to see you back here next episode. <laughs> <laughs>